You're listening to a podcast from Victory Alabang. When we humble ourselves and seek the Lord through fasting, we have the opportunity to receive spiritual breakthrough. Know more about this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. We are um, now concluding our series on cross-training. Everybody say cross-training. Talk to the person beside you, get ready. Get ready. Get ready to fast. Be expectant. I believe that we need to be expectant of a move of God, okay, uh, this next few days. So, as uh, we conclude this series on cross-training, we actually talked about spiritual disciplines, how it is important for us to develop spiritual disciplines. And, you know, the first week we talked about prayer. Everybody say prayer. You know, there are some of us who are gifted intercessors. Maybe some of you are able to wake up in the middle of the night, hear the voice of God, you know, wake up maybe at 2 a.m. and then intercede and travail and moan. And how many of you are like that? Okay, maybe some of you. But how many of you are regular people, you know, maybe just like me, who can pray, who normally spend a little bit of time with the Lord and ask Him, and then, uh, you know, speak to Him and hear His voice. Because when you talk about prayer, prayer is a two-way communication with God. How many of you pray? Please raise your hand. Okay? I think that's all of us, right? We, we know prayer and we hope to be able to develop that as a regular part of our uh, Christian life. It's a spiritual discipline. Okay? And the second week, we talked about reading the Bible, the importance of the Word. The importance of not just reading the scripture, but meditating on it, obeying what it says. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but what? Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do what? To obey and do everything written in it. And then the outcome of that is you will be prosperous and successful. How many of you would like to be prosperous? Please raise your hand. Lord, kuna mo ng literato lahat ito. Bless mo sila, Lord. Okay? Prosperous. How many of you would like to be successful and prosperous again? But what is, you know, the criteria for us to, to be able to have that? Joshua 1, it says, read the Word and be careful to do everything written in it. It's a very simple you know, I don't want to call it formula, but discipline, yet hard to do. You know, we can actually go, you know, on our day and maybe sometimes forget to read the Word. You know, it's not enough for us to own a Bible. It's time for us to dust off that Bible and open that Bible and realize the life-giving message that this Word will give to us. Amen? And then last week, uh, Pastor Edry talked about generosity. You know, it's a discipline that uh, we ought to develop as well. When Jesus ministered uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, there were three disciplines that he highlighted in Matthew chapter 6. And he said this. The first thing that he actually said was, when you give. He didn't say, if you give, because he is assuming that if we are Christians, we're generous. How many generous people do we have in this place? Please raise your hand, all right? Point at the person beside you and tell the person you are generous as well, Okay. How many of you sometimes want to be so generous, you want to take the person beside you and you take her wallet and then drop it in the offering? Okay? <laughs> Give as many or as much as you can, right? You know, because you're taking another person's uh, wallet. But, you know, when you talk about generosity, it's about coming from us. You know, Jesus said, when you give, 
Don't let the other people see the way you give because our Heavenly Father sees what we give in secret. And then the second discipline is, it said, when we pray, another discipline. The third discipline he highlighted in Matthew chapter 6 is fasting. He said, when we fast, not if we fast, but when we fast. He is assuming that it's part of our daily life. Now, how many of you would rather pray more than fast? Please raise your hand and be honest. And be honest. Come on, let's be vulnerable here, okay? Would rather pray more than fast. I'm also raising up my hand. Okay? It's easier to pray, right? Because when you pray, you sit down, you speak your request before the Lord. But when you fast, it requires sacrifice. When we fast, it requires not eating your favorite meal. When we fast, and you can imagine, you know, as normal human beings, we just ate lunch and then we're talking about dinner already. I mean, that's who we are. We're passionate about food, right? You know, Filipinos are very much passionate about food. But yeah, when you talk about fasting, fasting is not eating. Fasting is depriving ourselves so that we can actually gain something else. And that is what fasting is all about. And in these next three days, we are preparing ourselves to fast. How many of you received your prayer booklet or your devotion last week? I hope you uh, keep that. And I hope that you also do that. Uh, we have some prayer guidelines. In fact, when you talk about fasting, you know, fasting, we have different kinds of fasts that we'll be doing uh, next week. There's a water kind of fast. And for the next three days, you're going to be just taking water. Okay. How many of you know that you will not die when you fast? If you are pregnant or if you have a medical condition, please consult your doctor. Okay, Don't just go on a fast without seeking counsel. But if you are a normal person who can do normal activity, you and I can fast. Turn to the person beside you and tell the person, you look normal. Thus, we can fast. And I believe we can participate in this spiritual discipline. And some can actually fast for three days going with just water only. There are some who can actually go for one meal a day. There are some who can actually go for liquid diet or liquid fast. I don't want to call it diet because we're not dieting, we're fasting. Fasting is combining prayer with fasting and reading the Bible. Okay? Now, in your, you know, I received an email of uh, in one of our staff, basically has a suggestion on how to do a liquid fast. Okay, uh, juice in the morning, and then maybe light soup in the, uh, on lunchtime. Juice again in the evening, and then water all the way uh, interspersed. Okay, you don't go and uh, buy a uh, you know a brother's burger and liquefy it in uh, you know osterizer. And make it like a liquid diet. You know, that's not a liquid diet or a liquid fast, okay? Uh, liquid normally is like just juice without the pop, okay? And so at least you still get the nourishment for that day. There are some who can actually do a combination fast. You can just do one water fast, one one meal fast, and one liquid fast. So whatever kind of fast, I believe God will be pleased if you do that. But today we're going to be looking at why we fast. What is the motivation of fasting? Let's all rise up and read from Psalm chapter 69. And uh, we're going to be reading from verse 9 to 13. 
Uh, we do have Bibles available outside, you can borrow. Uh, or if you have a digital Bible, we're reading from the ESV version of the Bible. Psalm chapter 69, beginning in verse 9 to verse 13. Allow me to read it for all of us. For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. I am the talk of those who sit in the gate, and the drunkards make songs about me. Verse 13, the last verse. But as for me, everybody say, but as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you so much for this afternoon. Thank you, Lord God, for the preaching of your word. We ask that you to bless the, the word will be spoken out of this pulpit. Lord, I thank you that you will prepare our hearts to be expectant of the things of God, that as we set aside this time to seek you and to fast and to, Lord, just shut down the desires and the appetite that we have, we thank you, Lord God, that we will gain something even better. Lord, bless your people tonight. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. I guess as a, as a culture, we're familiar with fasting. You know, you would hear during the Holy Week, especially during the season of Lent, that there's some sort of an abstinence that we do. Uh, as a people, you know, some would actually replace their meal. Instead of eating meat, they would eat fish. Or they would just eat mongo or whatever, okay, or vegetable on certain days. But is that what fasting is all about? In fact, when you talk about fasting as Christians, this is part of our spiritual discipline, but we're not the only ones in the world who are fasting. There are other religions that are actually doing fasting as well. In fact, right now as we speak, uh, the Muslim world is observing what they call Ramadan. How many of you are familiar with Ramadan? Okay. In Ramadan, actually, um, what they have is several days, I think 40 days of fasting, they would deprive themselves of food for the whole day, I think from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and you can actually eat anything you want from 6 a.m. Uh, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Okay? So you're depriving yourself for a few hours, but you're stuffing yourself for, you know, whatever, okay? The, you know, the, the hours that are uh, allowed for you, for you to eat. Unfortunately, um, probably heard in the news that in Pakistan, about 1,000 people died uh, already because of, me, uh, because of uh, the heat uh, stroke or heat wave that struck uh, that country. Uh, I think the temperature would rise up to about 38, 40 degrees. And if people would actually go without food and water, because that's how they do it, for 12 hours you don't eat anything and you don't drink anything. And so can you imagine the dehydration that happened? And so about 1,000, sad to say, uh, it's a tragic uh, event that about a thousand or more than a thousand have actually died because of this fasting that they are observing. But I believe that when you talk about fasting, God has, uh, God is actually expecting us and really encouraging us to to have this kind of a discipline. But my question is, what are the circumstances that actually would push us to fast? You know, when you talk about prayer, I believe that when you have a need, you would pray. I mean, that's a normal response, right? You know, if you are, for example, a parent and believing God for 
you know, asking the Lord for provision, for tuition for your children. How I many of you know that it's natural for you to just kneel on your knee, you know, and bow on your knees and ask the Lord for provision? Okay? Or if you have a sick relative, you know, you're going to ask the Lord for healing for that person. Or maybe if you're believing for salvation for your loved ones in your family, you're asking the Lord for prayer. But when you talk about fasting, fasting is not like a regular response that Christians would do, don't we? Right? I mean, it, you know, sometimes you would wait for the announcement in the pulpit. Okay, we're going to be having an annual fast. Okay, as a church, we're going to have a fasting. And then on January, we'll have a five-day fasting. And then mid-year, we're going to have a three-day fast. But what are the circumstances? that would actually motivate us to fast. You know, going back to that Psalm, chapter 16 that we've read, the first few verses would give us an idea of the environment or the situation why David himself fasted. In verse 1, it says, Save me, O God. Everybody say, Save me. You know, how many of you have prayed this prayer? Lord, save me! Lord, help! How many of you have actually asked the Lord for help? This is what David is going through right now. You know, the situation is just beyond him. And he's saying, for the waters have come up to my neck. Have you ever had a problem that is beyond you? You know, here you are, you're facing a problem. Before you solve this first problem, a second problem comes in. And then while you're solving the first two problems, a third problem comes in. And then a fourth problem. And then the next problem is you and your husband and then your wife. And then, you know, your, your children come in. You know, it's almost a tsunami of problems that we face every day. And this is exactly what's happening to David. You know, his enemies are after him. You know, it seems like everybody's against him and he's crying out to God, Lord, help. In verse 2, it says, I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. There's no security. There, I can't stand on anything. You know, it's nice, you know, if you're, if you're swimming in uh, like, in the beach, from time to time, at least you get to stand on something solid, right? Can you imagine if you're actually in the middle of the ocean and there's nothing that you can actually stand on? How many of you that that is scary? And this is the feeling of David. There's nothing that I can actually stand on. There's no foothold. I have come to, into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. How many of you can relate with David in this situation? How many of you actually had gone through a big difficulty or problem in your life? Please raise your hand. Okay? All right. For those of you who have not raised your hand, don't worry. It will come. Okay? Uh, <laughs> just kidding. In this world, we will have trouble, Jesus said. Okay? In verse 3, it says, I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. In other words, the psalmist is suffering. He's going through pain. He's going through hardships. He's going through a situation that is beyond him. And he felt like more than just praying, it ushered him to another discipline of fasting. And he'd rather go for days without food just to be able to touch God himself. Suffering sometimes precipitates fasting. Not all the time, but sometimes, you know, it's all about direction. You know, sometimes uh, when we fast in the, in the first uh, part of the year, you know, not many of you are having problems. You just came out of Christmas, coming into New Year. All of us have this big weight that we've put on after the holidays. You know, we look happy when we fast. 
But for a person like David, there are situations that are beyond him. The situation for David was desperate. Everybody say desperate. And hopeless. Desperate and hopeless. Have we gone through such? Desperate situation. Hopeless situation. You know what is fasting? Fasting is a voluntary abstinence from food or anything that hinders for a deeper communion with God. It's not just abstinence from food. The desire of fasting is for us to be able to have a deeper communion and communication with God. You know, if you're abstaining from food and you're not doing anything, we call that dieting. Or some would call that hunger strike. Right? You know, if you take out a certain food group like, you know, no carbs, that's called dieting. That's not called fasting. Oh, pastor, at least I lose my pounds, you know. We get to have a benefit of, you know, uh, two birds in one. Yes, it's definitely you will lose weight, but that is not the goal of fasting. The goal of fasting as we abstain from food, in fact, the word fasting comes from the Hebrew word tsum. Everybody say tsum. It literally means to cover your mouth. Everybody say, everybody put your hand on your mouth, yeah? Cover your mouth. That's exactly the picture of fasting in Hebrew. Can you imagine if you have food on the table and your mouth is covered, how can you eat? Literally, that is what it means. To cover your mouth in Hebrew. In the Greek, it's called nesteo, which means to abstain from certain foods. And I have actually heard people who are you know, very creative in their fasting. They abstain not from food, but sometimes they also abstain from internet. They abstain from Facebook. How many of you can live without Facebook for at least one day? Yes. Two days? Yes. Three days? Yes. One week? <laughs> okay. Good. That's exactly the opposite of fasting because when you talk about fasting, fasting is not just depriving ourselves from this thing. That's part of it, but it talks really about food. Because there's something about food that meets our daily needs. We have this term, comfort food. How many of you have a certain comfort food? For some, their comfort food is chocolates. For some, their comfort food is, you know, coffee. For some, their comfort food is maybe sweets or cake or maybe ice cream. For some, it's bagnet. Or crispy pata, their comfort food, you know, kare-kare, you know, comfort food, you know. That's the word comfort food. It brings you comfort and joy. You know, this food brings a smile to your face. But what if we remove that comfort food? Do you feel afflicted? That's exactly what fasting is all about. Just for us to be able to review, in verse 9 it says, For the zeal for your house has consumed me. And the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. Basically, we're going to talk about three things. Fasting. Why do we fast? What does it do to us? Number one, fasting is about hunger for God. Everybody say hunger for God. I know that maybe by now it's uh, 6 o'clock. We're probably hungry for dinner. How many of you are hungry already? 
Yes, Pastor, finish your sermon already because I want to go to the restaurant. You know, I have a meeting later. Don't worry, we'll be finished in a while, okay? But in verse 9 of uh, Psalm 69, it says, For zeal for your house has consumed me. In fact, this is exactly what Jesus quoted when he was overturning the money changer and he was clearing the, the temple because they, they converted that temple into a den of robbers and a den of thieves. And he was quoting this verse. And then uh, it was really David who was saying this, zeal for your house, it consumed me. And the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When you talk about this word zeal, what does this word zeal mean? First, it means passion. Everybody say passion. How many of you have a passion for something? A passion is actually a strong devotion or a strong desire for something that we do. You know, some people are passionate for arts. Some people are passionate for sports. Some people are passionate for, you know, uh, computers or, you know, it's a certain thing that you can't live without. You're passionate about that. It's something that you think about when you wake up in the morning. You know, some people are driven by passions. But yet, David was saying, my passion is not just power. My passion is not riches. My passion is not women. Although he actually have several wives, fortunately. But what he's saying is, zeal for your house has consumed me. There's a strong devotion, strong desire to always be with God. We're going to see a lot more scriptures on David. As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for thee. You know, there's a description of David wanting to be with God. Better is a day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. You know, the, the psalmist is saying, Lord, nothing in this world would be able to satisfy my cravings and my appetite except you alone. Passion. Another meaning of this word zeal is jealousy. Everybody say jealousy. How many married couples do we have in this place? Can you please raise your hand? Okay. How many of you know that when you talk about jealousy, this is the good kind of jealousy? There's a bad kind of jealousy, right? A jealousy that kills. But this is a good kind of jealousy because our God, the Bible says, is a jealous God. Basically, when you talk about jealousy, jealousy means a desire for an exclusive relationship. It's exclusive. You're not willing to share your husband or your wife to another person, isn't it? Exclusive. You're mine. That's exactly what jealousy is all about. You know, I'm not willing to share you with another person. Jealousy. And when it comes to the things of God, God is jealous for us. He doesn't want to share us with any other idol. And I hope that that is also the same thing for us towards God. Another meaning of this word zeal is to give birth to something. Basically, to give birth to a strong passion and desire for a relationship with God. You know, in the Old Testament, we would see that there are so many different situations or times when the people of God would fast. David fasted. We're going to talk about that later on. Queen Esther fasted, asking for deliverance for the Jews because of Haman setting up an annihilation of her people, so they declared a fasting during that time. Jonah basically preached a message of judgment upon the city of Nineveh, and the city responded by fasting. Basically, hunger for God means contentment. Being content with God. There's nothing else in this world. 
that will make us be satisfied except God alone. My question for us this afternoon is, is that a reality in our life? Or maybe it's a desire. If it's a desire, then that's a starting point. How many of you would like to be closer to God this year? Please raise your hand. Great. That's a starting point. Everything starts with a strong desire. And I hope that we get to walk out. In fact, the reason why we're doing this spiritual discipline is so that we can actually be careful to do everything written in the Word of God. Hungry for something. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 9. When you have fasted in more than the fifth and seventh months, this 70 years, was it actually for me that you fasted? Or was it just for you and your desire to actually sometimes think that we can actually twist the arms of God to do what we want Him to do by fasting? Do you know that when you fast, you don't earn any favor from the Lord because you have already been given favored, favor by Jesus Christ? Amen. We are a favored people. Turn to the person beside you. You are highly favored. You are highly favored. Okay? When we fast, the motivation is not to gain favor. Jesus already gave us favor. Then, pastor, why do we need to fast? It's so that we can actually be more in tune to the voice of God. When we fast, we're drowning out the desires, our appetite. And we're saying, Lord, this appetite... It's not as important as my appetite for you. That is what we're actually saying to God. John Piper said this in his book, Hunger for God. And I quote, we were made to feast on God. You and I were created to feast on God himself. From the time Adam and Eve were created in the garden, they were actually given this void that only God can fill. There is an appetite for God. It can be Awaken. Our appetites dictate the direction of our lives. Think about that for a moment. Whether it be the cravings of our stomachs, and some of you are growling already, the passionate desire for possessions or power, or the longings of our spirits for God, but for the Christian, the hunger for anything besides God can be an arch enemy. While our hunger for God and Him alone is the only thing that will bring victory. Sometimes this appetite is the very thing that drives us away from God. But I hope that as we fast and as we pray, that we will get in tune more with the voice of God. Speaking about hunger, you know, one of my, actually my children, my, my two young girls are in a school, and uh, they did like uh, an earthquake drill, okay, last week. And, um, you know, the teacher announced basically, okay, just in case you hear the alarm, don't panic. Just go under the table. And so they were given instructions what to do. But nobody knows when that alarm will go off. And so while they were having lunch, uh, my youngest, Andrea, and her classmate were eating lunch. And so the alarm went off. The classmate, the younger classmate of my daughter, basically shoved the food away from her and ran under the table. My daughter, when she heard the alarm, grabbed her sandwich and ran under the table and ate her sandwich there. And I said, that's the spirit, okay? You know, you're actually going to survive in an earthquake just in case you get stuck there for about a couple of hours. But anyway, so, so I, she's probably not ready yet to be hungry, okay? She's really passionate about food. Anyway, for those of you who've, uh, who's, who've seen my daughter, you'll understand what I'm talking about, okay? Okay, 
Next is humility before God. Hunger for God, humility before God. You know, in verse 10, when I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. Basically, when you talk about fasting, it's really humbling ourselves before God and saying, Lord, I cannot do this. This is beyond me. Psalm 69 is actually a lament psalm. And it's more like a pouring out of the needs of David before the Lord. Humility before God means us asking God for direction. How many of you sometimes or many times need wisdom in your daily lives? All of us, right? Whether you're making a decision about your finance, whether you're making a decision about which job to take, you know, for those of you single, direction, you know, single ladies, if there are two men courting you, how do you decide which one to choose? Both are Christians. Okay? Both are Christians. Both are good looking. Now, how do you decide? Show me your ATM. (laughs) We need directions from God. We need to ask the Lord for wisdom. Many times we just can actually use our earthly thinking and our insight. And sometimes, Lord, bahala na. You know, I'll take a, a coin and toss it in the air, you know. If it's tails, it's Jim. If it's head, it's Robbie. I mean, is that the way to decide? Or is there a better way to decide? I believe God has an opinion in every matter that we are facing. Amen. He's got a will. He's got a purpose in everything that we're doing. You know, the Israelites sought God in Mount Sinai. Moses fasted for 40 days, went on without food. Okay, for 40 days. How many of you can actually fast for 40 days? <sighs> Come on. Maybe next time, Lord. But in this situation, they were seeking God. You know, they just came out of Egypt. They were in the wilderness. They're on their way to the promised land. Lord, what's next? What are we doing here in the middle of the desert? Okay, I'm going to give you 10 commandments. These are the guidelines for living. And as they fasted, God gave them and showed them direction. The prophet Daniel, in the book of Daniel, had an extended fast. They were exiles in Babylon. They were asking the Lord, Lord, when is our time to go back to Jerusalem? They were fasting and asking the Lord for direction and wisdom. The New Testament church actually fasted. After Jesus went to heaven, they fasted, extended, and God spoke to them to the Holy Spirit to set aside Paul and Barnabas to do the work the apostolic work for the Gentiles. Jesus himself fasted for how many days? 40 days and 40 nights. And he fasted. And as he was fasting before his launch in his ministry, you know what happened while he was fasting? He was tempted by the devil. How many of you know that when you're fasting, you're going to be tempted? You know, when you're fasting from food, you're going to be tempted your no- nose and your nostrils will actually be so sensitive to food. You will smell hamburger five kilometers away. <laughs> I mean, that's, wow, I smell Burger King, something like that, okay? And here you are, you're fasting, you want to be able to, Lord, I'm declaring this, I'm going to go, you know, water fast. And here you are, you're weak. But Jesus countered the temptation by doing what? By the word, he spoke, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word comes 
from the mouth of God. Maybe if Jesus was a Filipino, he would say, man does not live by rice alone. <laughs> but by many, you know, but by word that comes out from the mouth of God. We will be tempted. You know, my encouragement is when we fast, for example, if you're taking the three-day fast, normally it's the first day that's difficult. Right? You know, because sometimes when you go for a first day, uh, the, the three-day fast, the first day you'd actually feel, oh, I feel, have a headache. You know, I, I feel so dizzy. You know, I feel like there's air in my head. You know, I feel so, you know, my stomach is painful. Guess what? Just go through that day and when you sleep at night, when you wake up in the morning, guess what happens? You still feel hungry. <laughs> but the grace is there. Amen. There's going to be so much grace as you seek the Lord and as you fast. You know, maybe some of you don't even know what this is. It's a radio. Maybe some of you have, you know, still listen to AM, FM radio uh, in your cars, but the radio today is already digital. When you press a switch, it goes straight into the station. But the radio in the past normally have turned a dial in, or a knob. In order for you to be able to find the station, that you, for example, if you're looking for an AM news station, you know, you'll first hear, there's disturbance and there's noise, right? You know, there's no frequency that is not right. And you'll hear this, and then when you hit the right station, Magandang umaga, ito po, magandang balita, something like that, okay? And so you hit the right station, and then you listen to the news clearly. And that's exactly what fasting is all about. Fasting is tuning in to the voice of God. And here you are, your stomach is actually making this sound. Until you hit the right station. And God wants to speak to us because I believe God wants to speak to us. You know, fasting is more than asking the Lord for things. It's really asking the Lord for who He is. It's not just about asking the Lord, Lord, give me this, provide for this. And God knows exactly what we need even before we ask. Amen. But I believe God wants to have us, to have an encounter with us or us having an encounter with Him. Humility before the Lord not only gives us direction, it gives us dependence. Everybody say dependence on God. About to end. Chapter 42, it says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. Verse 2, let's read verse 2. 1, 2, 3. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. More than anything else. More than food, more than things, more than stuff more than money, more than relationship, more than having a partner, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is what? God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 63, 1 says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. We're dependent on God. Amen. We know that God is the one who sets us up for success. 
you know, maybe you've seen this picture. If you see a turtle on a pole, what, do you, what are you thinking? How did it get there? Paano umakyat yan? I mean, is it like a spider turtle or something? We know that when we see a turtle on a pole, someone placed it there. And that's God with us. We may actually be in a position of prominence or greatness. We need to remember, we need to depend on Him because God is the one who placed us there. He sets things up for us. Amen? The last thing I want to close with this is having a heart for God. The outcome of fasting really is having a heart for God. You know, the story goes basically when, when uh, King David, the reason why he was fasting, we would see the fasting described in his life in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16. Basically, this chapter started with Nathan confronting David with his sin. And how many of you are familiar with the sin of David? He committed what? Adultery with Bathsheba. Okay? When kings would go off to war, the Bible says, David stayed behind. He let his generals and his army go out to war and he stayed behind in the palace. And while he was staying in the palace, one night he saw a woman bathing, taking a bath. What's the name of the woman? Bathsheba. That's why she's called Bathsheba. She loves taking a bath, right? And so David saw Bathsheba. Hmm, I like this. And David had wives already. But yet he saw Bathsheba. He desired for Bathsheba, lusted after her, committed adultery with her. And once Bathsheba said to David, I'm pregnant, he committed another sin and murdered the husband of Bathsheba. Now in this case, Nathan came to David and confronted him with this sin. You know what? Sometimes we think that we can actually get away with things. But how many of you know that God knows exactly what we're going through? God saw what we did last summer. <laughs> For those of you who don't know that, it's a movie back in the past. And so, basically, when he was confronted by Nathan, Nathan said, the child you will have with Bathsheba will get sick. And David, this is where we pick it up. David pleaded with God for the child. He what? He fasted and went into his house and spent the nights lying on the ground. Basically, what he's doing is he's humbling himself before the Lord. Lord, spare my son. Spare this child. I'm fasting right now. I'm desperate for you. I'm humbling myself before you. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground. But he refused and he would not eat any food with them. And then what happened in verse 18? On the seventh day, the child died. He fasted. Basically, he repented before the Lord his sin. And Nathan said, you will not die because of your sin because the Lord forgave you. But yet, there's a consequence of that sin. And instead of that child getting well, even when he fasted, the child died. What would you do? If here you are, you're asking the Lord for something, and God answered it otherwise. Not exactly with the answer that you were expecting. David was expecting for his child to be healed, yet the child died. David's servants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they thought while the child was living, we spoke to David, but he wouldn't listen to us. How can we tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. Verse 19, David noticed that his servants 
were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. What would you do if you were in the situation of David? You know what he did? Verse 20, Then David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions and changed his clothes, went into the house of the Lord, and he worshipped. He did not get bitter before the Lord. He did not have tantrums before God. Lord, for seven days, I was hungry. I fasted. You know, Lord, labo mo naman. Lord, naman. You know, I thought you forgave me already, Lord. But he did not. Instead of complaining and grumbling and being bitter before the Lord, he went to the temple of God and he worshipped the Lord there. You know, yesterday, while we were preparing for this sermon, Pastor Joy Bonifacio called me on the phone and basically is asking about my son Jerome, who died about 12 years ago. And he said, you know what? As I was preparing for this particular message, I remember your son Jerome because this message is exactly what I preached in Victory Alabang. And when my son Jerome got sick, this is a picture of my son. My son Jerome was about 8 years old, 12 years ago. He would have been 19, turning 20 this year. And, you know, he was a healthy boy. And then he got sick. You know, some of you know our story. We just built this facility. Exactly, you know, uh, where we are right now. But the first renovation. And so we moved in finally here, December 15, December 28. We were in the ICU. We didn't realize that my son's going to die that day. It was a Sunday. Pastor Joey and Pastor Manny Carlos were the ones who ministered in this church. And in the afternoon, about 3 o'clock p.m., uh, I think in the afternoon service, while Pastor Joey was preaching, he received a message that indeed my son Jerome passed away. My son Jerome actually was a healthy kid. You know, he's, uh, he's, uh, you know he's, this is the picture of Jerome about four months before he passed away. That was in a conference uh, in uh, Asian Invasion. You know, he's, you know, as a young boy, he's, he became a Christian as a young boy. He loved God. He worshipped God. He knew how to worship the Lord. And so, it was a big blow. The, the church was praying for my son. We were believing for a miracle. In fact, uh, I was talking, as I was sharing this story this morning, one of the members uh, in Akasha was standing there, said, I was part of that prayer team who prayed for your son. We organized a 24-hour chain for him and organized a 40-day fast for him, a chain of fasting. You know, in fact, my slot was about 2 a.m. Somebody called me and said, now is your time to wake up and pray for Jerome. 2 a.m. He prayed for an hour, and then he called another guy, and then they continued praying. That was a description of how, what they did. And so when Pastor Joey received that note that Jerome died already, he paused. He did not continue with his preaching. You know how, he, how they responded? They just went to worship the Lord. And Pastor Joey was describing to me, you know, I have never seen worship like that in my life. It was full of pain, but yet the people's heart were rendered before the Lord. Pastor Manny was actually the one leading that worship at that time. And I remember we were in the ICU while the service here was happening, and we were releasing my son around the bed in the ICU, and I spoke to my wife. Of course, it was a painful experience. 
I shouted before the Lord. I said, Lord, this is so painful. This is so painful, Lord. I can feel it's like my heart is being ripped out of my body. But then I spoke to my wife. We will continue to serve the Lord no matter what happens. Instead of us getting bitter before the Lord, we will get better in serving Him. About two weeks after we buried our son, what we did was I felt the pain, of course, as a family, but I also felt the pain of the church. So I stood up you know, in one of the preachings and told the congregation, this church basically said, we want to thank you for standing with us for the past two months. You know, our son did not make it. But then I want to give you a declaration today. I still believe that our God is a faithful God. I still believe that our God is a God who heals. Amen. I still believe that God is a miracle-working God, that our God is a God who restores, our God is a God who loves us, our God is amazing in His unfailing love. And I have never doubted once about His love for us and about His love for you. Let's continue to serve the Lord. And exactly what Job said when he lost everything, not just one son, all his sons and daughters, all his property, all his you know, uh, you know, cattle, he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And may that be our attitude. You know, every, you know, I believe that as we fast, God will mold our hearts. David was not a perfect king. He made a lot of mistakes. He committed even greater sins than his predecessor Saul. Yet at the end of his life, in the book of Acts, the Bible says, David was a man after God's own heart. Because he did not let bitterness rule in his heart. Amen. Can we just give the Lord praise this afternoon? I want to end with this. I'd like to ask the music team to join me here on stage. Fasting produces in us a heart for God. And my prayer this afternoon is that God will give us this thing. More than stuff. More than breakthrough in finance. More than breakthrough in our work. More than breakthrough in our relationship in our family. More than breakthrough in anything in this world. May our breakthrough be God Himself. May our breakthrough be that we have an encounter with the living God. Let's bow our heads right now as we pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We ask that you would come and minister your peace upon your people. Can you lay your hands on your heart right now? Father God, we lay our hands on our heart. I ask, God, that you would give your people a heart for you. That, Lord, that there's going to be a, a, a shift, Lord God, in our appetites, Lord God, more than desiring things in this world, that from here on we will desire to have an encounter with you. That your presence is the most important commodity that we will actually ever have, Lord God. More than things, more than stuff, more than finances. Yes, these things are important, but your word says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to us as well. Father, if we have you, then we have everything else. And Lord, even right now, I thank you that you are working in our hearts. May you be glorified in the way we do things. May our motive be right as we seek you and as we fast. We don't want to twist the arms of God. We want to basically open up our hearts to receive you in us. Thank you, Lord. You may put your hands down. Let's continue to pray right now and close our eyes and bow our heads. If you're here this afternoon, maybe you're coming here for the first time, or maybe you've been coming here, but you're not yet a Christian. You have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
Jesus is giving you an invitation right now. Basically, what Jesus is saying is, I'm all you need. He's done everything for us. When He died on the cross, He purchased us and He gave us forgiveness. And all we need to do is to acknowledge our need for Him. And if you are here right now, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an invitation. Just a quick response. If you are serious in receiving Jesus Christ in your heart, I want you to just show your hand right now. Raise up your hand right now. Just to, uh, as a sign of surrender. What you're saying is when you're raising up your hand, you're surrendering to God, and you're saying, Lord, I want you and I need you. Yes, I see those hands right now. God bless you. Anyone else? Just lift it up before the Lord. I see those hands in the front. I see those hands in the back, in the side. Lift it up before the Lord. Yes, sir. God bless you. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Yes, I see those hands. Yes. 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 If you're lifting up your hand, what you're saying is, Lord Jesus, it is you that I desire, nothing else. I want you to forgive me of my sins, and I want you to give me an assurance of eternal life. And as you pray this prayer, I'd like to invite everyone to pray along with me. I want you to pray this prayer in faith. Would you do that? Can we all pray with them? Let's say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner needing a Savior. Thank you for giving your life on the cross as a sacrifice for my sins. Thank you for your forgiveness that as I come before you and put my faith in what you've done, you've forgiven me from all my sins. I confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that he is raised from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for giving me eternal life. Thank you for adopting me as a child of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victoryalabang.org and in Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.